0: Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters gathered in the park today. Lord, we come before you humbly, asking you to open our eyes, open our ears, soften our hearts to the word that you have for us today. Lord, thank you that we have the privilege to open your word and hear from you. So Lord, we invite you here, and we offer ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, go ahead and grab a seat. Good morning, OTC. Man, I am so pumped to be with you this morning. My name is Natalie Ferris, if we haven't had a chance to meet. Um, My husband Nate and I have been coming to OTC for eight and a half years, and we have four kids over there in OTC. And I love this body so much, and it's my joy to be able to teach this morning. This is not my normal capacity like Wayne. Like Ann said, Wayne's out of town. Usually I'm an announcement person or a Sunday school teacher, but I get the joy to teach to you this morning. I'm just getting, making sure I'm all set up here with my notes. Let's see here. Okay. I wanted to tell you a little bit about my prep this morning as I'm getting all connected here. I might have to call in the troops um, to get this set up but I think, we're, I think we're good. Okay, I wanna tell you a little bit about my prep. Like I said, I have four kids, so preparing, studying was like fishes and loaves, just bringing to the Lord the little slices of time that I had and just asking him, Lord, what do you want me to share with OTC, with my, with my body, with my people? And I wanna tell you about one little sliver of prep time that was just awesome. I had dropped my kids off at Awana one evening. My husband was working late. I had my computer and my Bible in my backpack, and I was looking around 7 PM, downtown Alamo, where's a place that I could study? Starbucks, closed. Pete's, closed. OK, we I ordered like, this massive burger, and I sat down. And it was like the second I sat down, the music just cranked up. And I don't know if you've been in a Five Guys recently, but the kind of music that they play, Queen, ACDC, Um, I think we had some Bon Jovi in there. So there I was. And in an unpredictable setting, not the setting that I would pick, it's not at home with my hot cup of coffee and my fall leaf candle, this was at Five Guys with ACDC going. God just opened up my mind and illuminated his word and gave me something to share. So I don't know if you've ever done that. Maybe you need a loaded burger and some ACDC, but it gets you pumped in a different way. So as I'm looking at my notes, I'm hearing, like, TNT by ACDC in my head. So if I get pumped up, that's why, because I am pumped. Okay, so let's go. Let's open our Bibles and dig in today. We're going to start in Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. It's in your bulletin. It's on the screen. Or if you have your, your physical Bible or your phone, you can pull that out. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Trusting in the Lord is set up in direct contrast to leaning on your own understanding. Do not be wise in your own eyes. I'm gonna be talking about the eyes today. We're gonna be talking about the human eye. We're going to be talking about we need light to see. We're going to talk about the mind's place in vision, in sight. And then we're going to talk about our trajectory as collective Jesus followers. OK, the eye. I geeked out and did some research on the eye. The eye is a very small organ, a tiny little organ that is extremely impactful. And so I want to read you a paragraph from a medical website that discusses the human eye. The human eye is an astounding organ. It measures about one inch across and only weighs approximately 0.25 ounces. But it provides you with millions of bits of information each second that help you navigate your daily life. Your eyes are specialized organs that take in visual information and relay it to the brain. In general, these organs are constructed of seven main parts. Your cornea, iris, pupil, lens, retina, macula and your optic nerve and each part has a specific function and together along with the six extra ocular muscles attached to the white part of the eye they allow you to interpret your world allow you to interpret your world this is where i'd like to camp out this morning how do we as jesus followers interpret our world our worlds being our individual comings and goings our worlds being the people that we interact with, the situations that we find ourselves in, the tensions that arise, the feelings that bubble up during the day, the thoughts that mill over in our mind at night. How do we as Jesus followers, that's our distinctive, interpret our worlds? Do we interpret our worlds by trusting in the Lord or relying on our own understanding? Are we wise in our own eyes? Let's look at the importance of light, the importance of true light. So again, in my medical research, according to researchers at UC Berkeley, you only take about one tenth of a second to see something. Your eyes are like two cameras in front of your face constantly taking pictures. Your days are full of lots and lots of intake, constant, constant intake. Like a camera, your eyes need light to see. Light is required for sight. If we are to accurately see and process our environments, we must see things through the true light. Jesus is the light of the world. If you're the note-taking type, that's your first fill-in. Jesus says in John 8-12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What then is darkness? Well, darkness is the opposite of light, the absence of light. Darkness in the spiritual sense is separation from God. I don't know if you've ever been in a dark situation, either physically or spiritually, but darkness is confusing, it's scary, it's isolating, it's unknown. Your mind doesn't know how to process because it can't see. So what do our minds do? Maybe your minds think of the worst case scenario or whatever it is. We don't have to fear the darkness because we know the light of the world, capital L, and his name is Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7 says, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, this is in the very beginning in creation, God's creation, God said, let there be light. Because we know this God, he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? How? In the face of Christ but we have this treasure you would think it would be on big display but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this surpassing power belongs to God and not to us we are just people earthen vessels jars of clay yet we have a treasure as we're navigating in a dark world Christ shining in our hearts Knowledge of the glory of God. Can we even comprehend that? Knowledge of the glory of God is ours in the face of Christ. He illuminates the way. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of darkness. Yes, it's all around you, but you have a treasure. Why then would we ever lean on our own understanding or be wise in our own eyes? Jesus is the light of the world. This light changes everything. But Satan, enemy of God, seeks to destroy. There's opposition. In 2 Corinthians 11:14, 14, we read, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Satan disguises himself as an angel, deeply rooted in a mockery of the Lord, and a ferocious desire to entice, lure, confuse, and get the sheep off of the path. Is confusion... Fear, despair, chaos, isolation, all these byproducts of darkness, are these of God? No. Beware of counterfeit light. Beware of a light that wants to promise to show you the way, but is not Jesus. I want to tell you a little story. This summer, we took a road trip up to visit my sister and my new niece in Washington. And on the way back, it was just the four kids and myself, and we were driving. We were doing this road trip. Felt like, OK, here we go, fun mom. We're going to do a road trip from Washington home. And we stopped in Bend, Oregon. And before we got back in the car to keep driving, I thought, we're going to go on an adventure. Okay, This is going to be fun. We're going to go on an adventure. So on my little phone, found a trail, a fun hiking trail. And it said lava in it. So I'm like, OK, a lava trail. Boom, this automatically is fun, right? So we got there, and there was a safety briefing before we did the hike. I'm like, okay, safety briefing before a hike. This is upping the fun level and the mom anxiety, but here we go. And the little park ranger came out with her vest and her tools and her hat and said, "You know, welcome to the lava trail hike." Um, in Bend, Oregon, there are 15 species of bats and 13 of them are living in the cave that you're going to go walk through. I'm like, okay, 13. That's 13 too many species of bats in the in the cave. Okay, so she recommended that you bring you have you you rent these lanterns, these heavy-duty lanterns. And I thought, okay, well, I don't know if that was a sales pitch, but I'm for sure renting the lanterns because I'm not about ready to meet Batman right now with my kids, okay? So we rented the lanterns and she said, you know, most of you have your phones. Your phones are not going to do anything in this, in this cave. Your phones, the lumens in a flashlight in a phone are just, they're, they're not real flashlights. So I'm like, okay, well, I still had my phone anyways. So I had our cell phone, we had an extra flashlight in the car and we rented two of these lanterns, these high power lanterns. We went down about 100 steps, and it was a mile out and back in complete darkness. You couldn't see your hand in front of you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm in a bat cave where I can't see and I've got my four kids, I want the real deal lantern, right? I want the real deal. But I still had my cell phone just in case. Let me tell you, this cell phone was totally counterfeit light. It didn't work to light the path. It actually was worse, almost like putting on your high beams and fog, it kind of bounced back and was distracting. So I ended up turning it off, except to take some fun pictures. But those high power, the true light, actually lit the way. It made me feel so much better to be with the kid who was holding the lantern because you could actually see the path, making the trip enjoyable. So counterfeit light. What are sources to bring it to your life? What are sources of counterfeit light in your world? What are we going to truth or to light the way other than Jesus? Maybe it's your screen. Maybe it's your TV, your iPad, your phone. Maybe it's other people or the news or you go to a group that kinda holds your same worldview and okay, tell me how to think, how to process. Or maybe it's a group that has their same political views. Are we processing the world based on counterfeit truth or the light of the world truth? Holding it up to Jesus. Well, if we're going to hold it up to Jesus, we need to know who he is. We need to know about his life. How did he navigate? How did he live? What are the words that he said and that he still says present tense today? Now, counterfeit light is enticing. It's promising to provide the way, but beware. Counterfeit uh, counterfeit light may cause your eyes to look and linger on things that you shouldn't be looking and lingering on. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Think about Eve in the garden. Eve, why are you even looking on the forbidden fruit? Why are you even looking on it? Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Lot's wife, you were told to to flee. Don't stop, don't look back. Why did you look back on Sodom? Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. David, why are you even looking at Bathsheba, Uriah's wife? He's in your army, he's battling. Why are you even looking in that direction? Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. You, my friend, What are your eyes lingering on? Shame, covetousness, anger, lust, worry. Are these the thoughts and feelings that result from what you are lingering on? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. How do we, as Jesus followers, interpret our worlds? Our cameras, our eyes capture images and we need to filter them by the true light not counterfeit light. We see our world through the lens of Christ. How do we do that? In our next section, if you're following along in your bulletin, is the renewal of the mind. While the eyes see an image, the brain processes how we think, feel, and respond to what we see. An interesting fact, when someone goes blind, sometimes it's the actual muscles or functions of the eyes themselves that stop working. And at other times, as it is with some neurological disorders or problems like dementia, it is actually the brain that stops seeing. There's nothing wrong with the actual eye as an organ. It's the brain. As a Christian, a sound mind is essential in processing the world around us, which is coming very fast. I have thought about this concept of training our minds to process our environments in light of God's truth as it pertains to parenting. I homeschool our four children, but two days a week they get to go to school, to a homeschool enrichment program. And they go for the full day and they get different classes, and it's been a great experience for them. Well, last year I would go, I would come to pick up, and I would ask them, how was your day? Good. Fine, boring, or sometimes my favorite, I don't remember. You don't I just I just picked you up. Like, were you actively forgetting when you were walking to the car? You were just there. Okay, we don't remember. Okay. So these responses were getting frustrating to me. I'm like, how do you not remember? I want more. I want more than just fine, good, boring, really? Then why am I paying for you to do this? Okay. So the Lord, as I'm You know I'm a praying mom and I'm like Lord help me as I'm driving home the Lord dropped it into my brain that I needed to help my kids process their day I need to teach them how to think I need to disciple them in Christian living as their mom so my question became questions my first question every day how did you have fun today that's an expectation I expect that you had fun God has given you breath in your lungs. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Your body works. Tell me, how did you have fun today? That frames the question a little different, right? Like, okay, mom, geez. Well, I played Foursquare, you know, okay. Awesome, great, 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 great. The next question I ask is, what is something you learned or a skill that you practiced? We were created to rule and reign with God. We are creative beings. God has given you a mind. God has given you a life with a purpose. So what's something you learned or a skill that you practiced on your journey to being the person that God has created you to be? Okay, Mom, well, I, you know, I, I wrote a couple of sentences. Awesome! Great! We're thinking about our day different. And the last question, it's a doozy. How did you experience God today? Boom. I, I have a hard time answering that question. I know that this is a huge question, but we're in training, right? Sometimes one of my kids, and this has been a process to learn how to think and how to answer this question, but sometimes one of my kids will say, I experienced God today because I remembered to pray before I ate lunch. Awesome. Sometimes one of my kids will say, well, the teacher made a connection between something we were learning and creator God. Awesome. But other times, my kids can't think of anything to say. And so I just say, all right, here we go. Give me anything. Tell me anything about your day. And since it's all his creation and we're image bearers, we're going to connect that together in the car, all of us together, we're going to connect that thing to God. So how did you experience God today? This was a doozy, but from the back seat, little Clara who's four years old raised her hand and said, cutting with scissors. Okay. All right. I'm driving. I'm thinking cutting with scissors, experiencing God. Okay. Well, When you cut something, you cut it apart, you break it into pieces, and you make something new. So God, just like God, God loves to do that. God loves to take broken pieces and make something new. And so Clara, by cutting, you're emulating your creator. You experience God today because just like him, you made something new out of broken pieces. Okay, it's training my mind is what's happening. Training our minds to take every thought captive to Christ. Do you need to do that in your own life? Do you need to reframe the days that God has given you? Are you at the end of the day saying my day was boring or I don't remember? (laughs) Train your brain. Train your brain to see the world the way that God sees the world. In contrast, Satan seeks to destroy the good work that God is doing. The God of this world, little g, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 2 Corinthians 4.4. Notice that Satan is not blinding the eyes. No, Satan wants those eyes open, highway of counterfeit light right to the brain. But in doing that, he's clouding your mind. Your mind is not accurately processing. We think to ourselves, is God really trustworthy? or should I follow what I see with my own eyes, wise in my own eyes? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, all of it, and do not lean on your own understanding. Now, we, it sounds good to train your brain, but how do we do that? Jesus' followers must have the same mindset of Christ, loving God and loving others, but this is not our natural inclination. This is not even a willpower thing. While, yes, we are given the freedom to put on and put off, we need to combat our selfishness by putting our faith in Jesus. But even after we put our faith in Jesus, we still battle with the flesh. How then do we, as the Bible says, take every thought captive to Christ? Well, the renewal of the mind happens when we submit ourselves fully to God's word. Submit gives the picture that God's word has authority. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture, every word, every page is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You're not in the back cave alone. You've got the light. You've got the tools that you need for the life that God has given you. The Holy Spirit illuminates the breath of God for us by pricking our hearts with conviction. Have you ever had that when you read the Word and your heart is pricked with conviction? That's because God's Word is living. Have you ever been bolstered up with encouragement after reading God's Word? Have you ever had your mind, your thinking changed, lovingly guided? this is your greatest investment of time open your word open the word there's no substitute for that there are a lot of great things podcasts christian music books chatting with friends these are all great but they don't substitute what only god can do when we open his word and i want to encourage you if there's one takeaway open the word if you don't know where to start it can be daunting it's a big book Consider each section, Proverbs, wisdom, practical advice for holy living. Consider um, the letters of the apostles. Consider psalms, praise poured out by everyday people with real feelings. If you need guidance in that, what about the Gospels? Learn about Jesus. But don't fool yourself and don't let Satan fool you into thinking that reading the Bible isn't at the top of your list. Don't let that get pushed away. Renew your mind by reading, chewing, praying, studying, and meditating on God's word. When I was practicing at home, I was, you know, practicing in front of the kids. I put, put them on the couch with lollipops, and I'm like, OK, mom needs to practice. I'm going to put a little stool on the ottoman, and I'm going to practice to you. And I need you to count my ums, and I need you to smile, OK? And Grayson was like, chewing on God's word? What, you're chewing on it? Like, well, you know, you're mulling it over. You're chewing on God's word. So in case you were confused, it's mulling it over in your mind. (laughs) Chewing on God's word. We are encouraged in Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, I love that word, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. Where is your delight? What do you delight in? Do you find delight when you approach the word? Is it in the law of the Lord? Now it's worth noting that the book of Psalms is a book of prayer and praise poured out by everyday people. Prospering in these verses is not a promise of no hardship, but rather a picture of spiritual health and blessing. A tree planted by streams of water, and during the different seasons of life, there is a season for the leaves to fall off, fall, yay. There is a season for um, there to be harvest. There is a season, there's seasons to life. But the, the tree stands firm because it's connected to the source of life. So we, as we delight in the law of the Lord, we are connected to the source. We will weather different seasons, but we can stand firm. All glory to God. How else can we renew our minds? So we can renew our minds in the word, but we can also renew our minds in fellowship with other believers that help us keep our mind focused on God. I'd like for you to consider the example in Exodus 17 of Moses. This is after Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. The Lord is providing for his people. And he's even providing for them as they're wandering in the wilderness against their enemies. God used Moses as a tool to show his power and glory. But Moses was a limited man. In one particular battle, Amalek, who's the bad guy, fought against the people of Israel and Moses instructed Joshua, the leader of the troops, to fight against Amalek. In Exodus 17, 10 through 12, we see a picture of the fellowship of believers. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses and Aaron, who was the brother of Moses, and Hur, H-U-R, the nephew of Aaron and Moses, Miriam's son, went up to the top of the hill. So these three guys are going up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they, Aaron and Hur, took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the the going down of the sun. They came alongside Moses, Who was called by god to do to lead the people and aaron and her came alongside on mission with moses to do what god had called them to do and their piece in that was to hold up moses's hands now do you have aaron's and hers in your life maybe you are called to be an aaron or a her to somebody else Maybe you see God's calling on somebody's life. How can you come alongside and hold up their arms? There have been errands and hers in my life this week, preparing to speak this morning. Thank you to my friends, my family, my small group, for praying for me this week. Even this morning to have people pray for me. You're my spiritual cheerleaders. You're holding up my arms. Proverbs 17, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Godly fellowship encourages our hearts and minds to have godly perspective in our lives. Sometimes we're too close to a situation to see what others from a distance can so clearly see. Thinking about iron sharpening iron, there's closeness, there's friction, there's coming together that produces a better result than if the pieces stayed separate. How else can we renew our minds? We've talked about the word, we've talked about fellowship. Let's talk about Sabbath. Sabbath rest. Our western breakneck pace does not lend itself to much space. And I even feel, gosh, should I even be the one to say this because every Saturday requires a spreadsheet in my house with the sports, okay? My son played in a championship football game this morning. There's not a lot of margin in my life. I am convicted by this sabbath rest a dear friend in college shared a poem with me it was about space between the logs an analogy about fire to summarize the poem the best way to build a fire is not just to dump a bunch of logs and strike a match but to carefully construct the logs in such a way that oxygen can fill the gaps and fuel the fire do your commitments bleed off the pages of your days Is there Sabbath rest? Do you fight for that in your life? Space to rest, refocus, and recharge? If we're to follow Jesus' example, he did that. In his earthly ministry, he stole away, away from even his disciples, to spend concentrated time in prayer with the Lord. The Israelites in in the wilderness received manna on six of the seven days. They were instructed to collect double on the sixth day because the seventh day was designed as a day of rest our creator god in creation six days he created the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested not because he was tired but because he was setting up that pattern for us discipline rest creating space the thought even dawned on me this morning that he rested after he created man he created man on the sixth day because he wanted to spend time with him you wanted to spend time we get to spend time with god in that sabbath rest prayer it's not just clear the schedule so we can veg there is a part of that bodily physical rest but there is spiritual rest connection with god enjoying him space clearing of the deck quieting of the noise Our minds are renewed by the word, by fellowship of other believers, and Sabbath rest. This is how we recalibrate our mind. The Jesus followers trajectory. When, what do we fix our sights on? What we fix our sights on impacts our trajectory. When I was younger, my dad took my siblings and I to the baseball field. My younger brother, Miles, was learning how to pitch. And so Miles got up on the pitcher's mound he said, okay, Natalie, go stand in the batter's box. "Um, Okay, Dad. Sure, I'll stand in the batter's box when my little brother is learning how to pitch. Sure, this is gonna work out great for me. So do you know what happened? I walked away with a bruise on this shoulder, big old fat bruise, because my brother was learning the tough lesson of focusing on the batter's glove, focusing on the catcher's glove even though there's a batter in the box. In the same way, we need to focus and hone in on the target. So what is our target? Consider the words of Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, now in Scripture, Hebrews 11, just the cloud of witnesses is the hall of faith. Abraham, Abel, we had Moses in there, Noah. Because these are our witnesses, because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which closely clings to us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Another version says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the most worthwhile, worthy pursuit. And this is a lifelong process. Don't grow weary, renew our minds in his word, process our world through the light of the world. And we're not gonna do this perfectly. We can't be perfect, only Jesus is perfect but we can try to focus on the glove. We can try to focus on the target. Even if we throw a few balls or we hit a batter, we can still get back up on the mound. (sighs) Take a deep breath, set our sights on the target, and let her rip. Isn't that a picture of the Christian life? Each and every day, new start. Brothers and sisters, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the trajectory is set. So let's encourage one another in God-honoring living, God-honoring processing of this crazy world around us. The Jesus follower's trajectory is fueled by love, love for God. Our love for God is made possible only because he first loved us. Consider how God views you. In the words of Jesus, Jesus, the light of the world, capital L, Matthew 5.14, He says, you, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus spoke these words to everyday people. He came for everyday people on a hillside to social pariahs and hurting people, God said, you, you are the light of the world. How great is his love for us? I can't even fathom, I can't even fathom that the light of the world would say that I'm part of this light of the world. Brothers and sisters, the light of God's work in our hearts is a blessing to each and every one of us. It's a blessing to us, but it's also for a watching world as well as for the encouragement of other believers overflowing with the light of life we live as a blessing by reflecting him well let me conclude with hebrews thirteen twenty to 21. now may the god of peace who brought again from the dead our lord jesus the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. The Jesus follower's trajectory is a life that is pleasing in his sight. Praise be to God. I'd invite you to stand up as we close in prayer. I wanna give you some time and space to think about What is God putting on your heart today? Lord Jesus, thank you for my brothers and sisters gathered in the park this morning. Lord, we praise you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, we want to fix our eyes on you. Sharpen our focus, Lord. Sharpen our focus on you by giving us a soft heart and a sound mind. Help us to be vigilant and aware of counterfeit light. Empower us, Lord, to encourage one another in the pursuit of godly living. Convict us, Lord, to carve out time for Sabbath rest. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, that by the blood of Jesus, we are saved. And in response to your lavish love, Lord, help us love you back. What greater joy than to be pleasing in your sight? Amen.